1: Thank you, Roll Scoop listeners, for tuning in for part of a series of interviews that gives us a chance to get to know our Arizona County school superintendents. Today, we'll be talking with Tim Carter, the superintendent of schools for Yavapai County. I'm really looking forward to hearing about his county and learning about educational opportunities for students in that part of the state. Tim, are you ready to give us the scoop?
0: I certainly am.
1: Great. Thank you. First, before we get started, can you give our listeners a bit of information about you and your background?
0: Certainly. I was uh, raised in Southern Arizona and went to uh, Grand Canyon College back in the day and then received my master's from NAU. Taught for several years up in the White Mountains at Alchisay High School before moving down to Yuma County uh, and teaching and coaching at Antelope High School. Moved uh, to Prescott uh, in 1979 and have been uh, in the Prescott community ever since. Um, Worked as a teacher, as a coach, as an assistant principal, um, as a principal uh, at the district level. There's probably not a seat that I haven't um, worked in in a traditional school district um, in the last 45 years. So after retiring from uh, Preston Unified in uh, uh, 2003, I did a little work for Yavapai College and for um, the University of Phoenix and was appointed as the county school superintendent in 2005 and was elected in 2006 and had been elected four more times since then. So I'm in my, I'm in my 15th year. So 45 years of education, um, in a, in a time period where there's just been a huge and very significant change.
1: I would imagine, and still going strong and enjoying it, it sounds like. Very much so. Um, Tim, many Arizonans may not know what a county school superintendent does once you've been elected to office. What do you do? What's your role and responsibilities as Yavapai superintendent?
0: Well, one of the things that I would, would ask the, the listeners to do is to look at Article 11 of the Arizona Constitution. It it really outlines the, the four different levels of um, educational authority in Arizona. Uh, of course, we've got the State Board of Education, and at one point I served on that board for three years and actually became vice president and president of that board. That was a very unique experience without any doubt. Mm-hmm. And of course, the state board is the the group that is responsible for establishing policy um, in Arizona. And then you have the state superintendent of public instruction. I think everybody has a pretty good idea that uh, you know she operates the Arizona Department of Education and and what that group does. You then have the fifteen county school superintendents that are elected, and very much like the state superintendent, it is a partisan race and. Um, we are all a little different, and we all operate a little bit differently. And then of course, we have our uh, elected governing boards of our school districts. So as county school superintendents, our power and authority is unique and different. And all four of those levels have their own unique and and independent uh, authority under the statute. Um, without doubt, the county school superintendent's um, statutes are, Really fall into two categories. One are the things that we must do, and i would I would argue that um, there are really no two county school superintendent's offices that function exactly alike. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things that we all indeed have to do simply by statute. So we have a portion of the uh, the election law in my county, we handle every kind of election that a school district can have, everything from governing boards, to bonds, to overrides, to recalls, property sales, uh, changing from three board members to five board members. Uh, just any type of election is something that we would handle through our office. We're the chief financial officer in that, in that case. We also serve as the fiscal agent. In my county, all 26 of our school districts um, are run through our office, and we we don't make their budget decisions. We don't make their financial decisions, but we serve as their bank and we kind of look over their shoulder and make sure that everything is following statute. Uh, we're not their boss, but we certainly can assist with guidance from time to time. And so those two things are pretty unique and and virtually all of our offices do, uh, those things. Uh, many of us also, um, operate accommodation school districts Mm -hmm. and we operate juvenile detention centers and operate the educational facilities within those centers. And um, again, there's a great variety of how that's done. But probably the biggest section of law where we have the, the greatest ability to be very diverse is in the section of law that deals with those discretionary powers that we have, things that we may do and things we may not do. I think most people in Arizona who understand uh, the state well would probably tell you that our agency is probably the most diverse and the largest education service agency in the state. Uh, I think people would be hard-pressed to find a district-level service that we don't provide. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's a service that schools and charters and libraries need, then it's something that we certainly can create uh, in a relatively short time period. And we're very proud of the fact that we're the only education service agency in Arizona to be fully accredited uh, by advanced debt.
1: I did not know that. That is impressive.
0: Well, it it was a, it was a, uh, it was an interesting process because um, trying to, to get an education service agency accredited is a follows somewhat of the same process that a, a district would use if if they were getting uh, a system-wide accreditation. But of course, an education service agency does operate differently, and we do operate schools as well. So in many cases, it's much of a like. And I think one of the things that makes our county very unique is we've got lots of administrators who believe in the shared services model, and I think that people understand that if we work together cooperatively, that we can typically uh, be more efficient, we can save money, and uh, it, it tends to work really well. And we've got some things that, uh, again, to my knowledge, nobody else in Arizona does. We now are the substitute callers, and we handle all the substitutes for all of our school districts.
2: Wow.
0: Um, it was, it was amazing. It took us five years to put that together. Uh, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of discussions and a lot of meetings. But basically what we were able to do is literally save everybody money because there were a lot of those districts that no longer have a subcaller at all. I mean, they don't have anybody that specifically deals with that role. And we take care of that. Um, the teachers come in and register with us. Um, we have a much better training system for them than most of our, our districts did. Uh, we have a higher fill rate than we've ever had. We have more substitutes than we've ever had, um, and everybody is saving money. And, and to be quite honest, it, it appears to be kind of a model program, and we continue to make, make modifications to it as we go along. But it, it has just been a really dynamic thing. But it wasn't something that that uh, happened easily. I mean, it took a lot of time and a lot of dedication. Um, but I think if you were to ask our administrators, they, they really like what it works. One of the things that we have identified that I think really works well, at least in Yavapai County, and it probably works pretty well throughout the state, is we, we have three words that are kind of our mission, and we have a, a full mission statement, but these three words kind of identify how things work. Uh, we list. I mean, our job is not to go out and tell school districts and charter schools and libraries what to do. That is not our role. But our job is to listen to what they're telling us they need.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then number two, to innovate, to find a solution for that. And if it can be a collective solution, uh, that's probably even better. But it's got to be something where we can get to critical mass and we can pay the bills I and mean, we don't have to make money. We're not a profit generated type of business. but We certainly have to be able to to meet whatever the expenses are of that operation. And then the third piece is that we provide that service. So uh, the substitute situation was a great example of that. The districts came to us and said, we need help with this. What can we do? And it it took us a while to figure it out, but but we were finally able to do it. Same thing happened back in 2012. We had... uh, not just the Alipay County districts, but folks from all over the state were saying, what can you do with E-Rate? Can you,
2: hmm. can
0: you do something that would provide E-Rate consulting? So we uh, developed the program. We uh, hired people. We um, created a system that works very efficiently. And now we're the largest E-Rate consultant uh, in all of Arizona. We, we serve uh, more libraries than any other um, entity. Uh, we have more clients than any other entity and we have clients in all 15 counties. Um, We're, we're very proud of that. That, that's something again that we developed because people told us that was a need not because we went to them and said, we're going to develop this and you need to be part of it. That just doesn't work that way. Right. And so that's, I think, a a pretty important piece of how we do things and and the, the way it's worked.
1: What else about Yavapai County is unique?
0: Well, I think every county is uh, unique. I mean, I just don't think there's any doubt about that. We have 26 districts and 24 charter schools. And um, I think everybody understands that the districts and charters are different. Mm -hmm. Um, They are unique in their own right. And we have, I think, in many cases, found a way to get those folks to at least be understanding of each other and be professional with each other. And we're pretty proud of the fact that, that we have a fairly good relationship with, our agency has a very good relationship with both district and charters. But I think our districts and our charters understand that there are, there are places where they can work together and and, uh, and indeed we find those things. And in Yalapai County, we've uh, even developed a partnership with our libraries and not only are they e-rate clients, but we, we have all sorts of partnerships with, with our libraries that work closely with our districts and our charters. Hmm. We've probably got the largest library network uh, in Arizona here in Yavapai County. And that's run by another county. I mean, we have a county library um, agency that we work with that does that. But, I mean, those are just, you know, dynamic programs. And uh, we're, we're pleased with those, and I think uh, I think our, our districts and charters are pleased with them as well.
1: Tim, public schools in rural counties, which is what Yavapai is, can vary quite a bit from big to small and then well-resourced to impoverished. What does that spectrum look like for you in, in Yavapai?
0: Well, your description is exactly correct, and, and that certainly uh, paints the picture of what it looks like in Yavapai County. We have a tiny little school up on top of the Bradshaw mountains um, that have sometimes as few as two students. And I think right now they're sitting at five. Hmm. And in my 15 years, I think the most they've had was 17 students. Uh, going back into the twenties and thirties, there were dozens and dozens of students there, little crown King elementary school district. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting the way that little community works. I mean. And I have to, I have to tell you, I get a lot of questions about, well, why does that school even exist? There are so few kids. Well, what I tell people is, I will be happy to meet you out on Interstate 17, and we will take a 24 mile trip on a pretty rough dirt road that goes up an elevation 5,000 feet. Wow. Um, and we'll we'll go up there in the winter time, and we'll take you up for the third Friday in in December, and we'll we'll go to that little red schoolhouse, and we'll and be part of the Christmas play because everybody in that town is going to be in that building. Hmm. And uh, it is like no other sense that I've ever seen in Arizona. And I've been all over this great state. I've never seen another environment like that. You talk about family and virtually everybody in that little community will be in that school. And it is just a, it is a family. And um, you can't compare that to any other type of situation. And I know that we've got those kinds of schools all over Arizona. I know Tom Powers, my friend over in Greenlee County, is very proud of his little blue elementary school. Mm-hmm. So I think we all have those kinds of schools, but you just can't compare those to anything that Phoenix or Tucson has, for example. Our largest school district is Humboldt. Our second largest school district is Prescott. I those are pretty well-known districts. Um, Chino Valley and Cottonwood, Oak Creek School District, and Mingus are all fairly large. Uh, and when I say large for Yellow Pike County standards, um, I, I don't think any of our districts are over about 6,000 students. Mm. So when you compare that with um, a district like MP Union or Mesa or, right. or a Tucson, number one. I mean, you just, you can't make those comparisons. Uh, but we've got lots of small schools. We have 12 schools that do not have a district office, so to speak. And so our office functions as their district office. Wow. And any service they need, we try to provide. And again, we, we firmly believe in shared services and we, we know it works. Uh, But it has to be cooperative and it has to be something that that people want. So I don't think you can find a special ed service that we don't offer. And like with nursing, we've got got several nurses that are itinerant. And so one nurse um, would have a contract with our agency. And they then are working with, say, five school districts that we also have contracts with. So each of those. School districts is purchasing on a fee-based service and in many cases we're able to support that with grant funding where they're hiring a nurse one day a week so they're paying 20 percent of what they would normally pay if they actually could find a nurse and um, the nurse is in this community on monday and in this community on tuesday and wednesday and thursday and friday and Everybody saves money. Everybody gets uh, at least some level of services that they need. And it, it seems to work really effectively. And we do that with with occupational therapists, with physical therapists. We do that with our psychologists, our counselors. Again, you name it. And we have those folks out in the schools uh, providing those services. And, and the reality is, is we know that districts have to have those services from someplace. And if they can't afford a full-time person, or if they can't find a full-time person, they still need those services. True. Well, you can purchase those services from, from large places, but uh, typically they're going to add 20 to 25% to the basis of that service. Well, we don't do that. We're, we're not trying to make a profit. That's not why we exist. We exist to help schools do their job. And so we take that very seriously. And we spend a lot of time working out the details of okay, so how is this going to work, and how how can we make it the most effective we can possibly be?
1: Tim, you set the structure of your districts and the makeup of them. What does rural education for students look like in your county?
0: Well, I think it's all over the board, and um, uh, i i I will put many of our schools and the the teachers that they have, and the facilities they have, and the technology the curriculum and instructional methods up against anybody in the state without any doubt. But we have a wide variety. And we have, uh, again, if we're looking at Crown King, we've got a one-room schoolhouse with one teacher. And that teacher could have kindergartners and first through eighth graders right there in that same classroom at that same time. So you can't compare the way a classroom in the Humboldt District or the Prescott District might look with Crown King. Mm-hmm. And we've got lots of other little tiny school districts that aren't quite that small, but they're small. And so every school is unique. Every school is a little different. And I think the secret, uh, and I don't know that it's a big secret, is to, to try to work with each one of those schools and whatever their individual needs. And we work with a lot of school districts outside of Yavapai County. We had a call here just Um, not long ago, from a neighboring county um, and a neighboring school district who has nine teachers on their staff. And on the same day, at virtually the same time, six of those nine teachers walked off, and this was the fourth day of school. Wow. And they're in an isolated remote area where you can't just find teachers and get them to this location uh, in a quick period of time. So their administrator called us and we were able to identify people in our substitute pool that were willing to go up there and take on that role and live in some teacher housing in a hotel that is in that community. And they provided instruction for two weeks in that school.
2: Well, you just
0: wouldn't see that happen in a lot of places. Right. So we we really kind of pride ourselves on the fact that we're going to make it work. We're going to find a way to make it work
1: looking at the rural schools in your county, what challenges have they faced and how have you been able to overcome those? You mentioned the substitutes and you mentioned the E-rate. Are there any other um, challenges that they face that you've been able to work toward a solution together?
0: Well, there are. And I think I think many of our challenges are, are not necessarily unique to Yavapai County. I think they may be unique to Arizona and unique to isolated remote area of the state, but Clearly, the the biggest issue that I think everybody is facing right now is a sustainable funding source
2: mm-hmm.
0: and to be able to count on uh, X and, and, and have it provided. Um, and where that probably shows up larger than any place else is in recruiting and retaining high quality teachers and leaders. Um, we have a lot of very desirable places to live in Arizona, but we all have some areas that might not be so desirable simply because of where they are and their distances and, and lack of, of uh, businesses and those kinds of things. So we have worked very hard at trying to grow our own teachers and leaders. Mm. And I think we've been quite successful with it. And we've done a lot of innovative things. Um, in Yavapai County, all of our school districts pool their forest fees. For example, we, uh, We send the forest fees to the schools. They keep half of those dollars and they return half of those dollars to what we call the Forest Fee Management Association. And it's a five-member body that those 26 school districts um, elect. And then that five-member group of administrators make funding decisions. For example, we pay for all of our elections of all of our districts that way. Hmm. We have historically hired an E-rate provider. We have historically hired a grant writer. Um, we, we've we done millions, I mean, millions of dollars in technology. Um, and so that's unique. I don't know of anybody else that's doing that kind of thing. And it creates a funding source. And not only does it create a funding source, it creates a leveraging source. Mm-hmm. So if we spend a million dollars on technology that is E-rate qualified, then everybody, first of all, has the advantage of significantly lower prices because now they're part of the million-dollar purchase and not a little $25,000 purchase. Right. So everybody's saving money right up front. But then if we're a 90% collective entity, then we're going to get reimbursed $900,000, and we're going to get to spend those dollars. And then the next year, we're going to get 90% of that back and we're going to get to spend those dollars. The leveraging of that is just enormous. Yes. And to be quite honest, why everybody is not doing that kind of thing, I, I guess I don't understand, but that's their decision to make. But it works really well here in Yale, if I can We have the largest education technology consortium in the state, and they work hand in hand with the Forestry Management Association. And we've got we've got a lot of very intense conversations about, well, what's this going to look like? But we all work together and we figure it out. And uh, I I think that's unique. We are kind of taking a page out of uh, uh, Dale Unified School District's playbook. Cal Baker, I consider a dear friend. And Mm -hmm. Cal and I both have kind of entrepreneurial views of the world. And so he's done a lot of things with tiny houses. Well, we are working with Yavapai College right now on creating 3D houses, we believe we're going to be able to, um, within a year, be ready to start construction. And most of those houses are going to cost about 30% of what a traditional stick-built house would be. Wow. Um, we, we are working with school districts right now to bring in uh, trailers and build modules. Uh, we, we, we know of one school district that their intent is to purchase, um, a, um, basically a motel and renovate it and create teacher housing that way. I mean, we're, we, we just really are pretty good about thinking outside the box mm-hmm. and school districts have a huge advantage in the fact that if they put something on property they own, they're pretty much exempt from zoning issues. And so we have kind of a built-in advantage in helping resolve some of those questions. But we're really excited about this 3D concept, and it's uh, it's been going on in Europe for a long time, and it's just really now kind of getting into America. And to be quite honest, um, we've got some contractors that are excited about it. So I mean, those are kinds of things that I think all of our districts are having some issues with. But leveraging the funding the technology piece, the general services piece, and and doing anything we can to retain and recruit. Uh, we've got two foundations, two educational foundations that we work with. One uh, has a very active Teacher of the Year program, so we're continually trying to pat our teachers on the back and provide many grants and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, again, the partnership with our Forestry Management Association make some of those things happen. Uh, That funding source also allows a a couple of groups of our administrators to go out of state periodically, typically every year. I mean, we've gone to Michigan, we've gone to Illinois, we've been to Kansas, uh, we go to North and South Dakota every year, and we try to identify those states uh, that actually generate more educators than they employ we've got a great pipeline with a couple of those states that have been established. Now we're in about our fourth year doing that. And so again, I don't know that that's something that other districts aren't doing, but it's certainly something that we hadn't been doing until recently. So yeah, we're we're pretty pleased with many of those things and we continue to try to find other things that grow your own mentality is pretty important because if we've got somebody working in a bank, or we've got somebody working in a bookstore, or we've got somebody waiting tables who's married. They have a house here, their family's here. This is probably where they grew up. They're not going any place. They're homegrown. All we need to do is develop partnerships with our colleges and universities. And we've got four great ones that we work with and they bring coursework right into Yavapai County. A lot of it can be done online. And we can get those people a certificate and get them in the classroom, and then they're not going to move away two years from now. They're, they're going to be here. This is home.
1: Tim, you mentioned your ESA, your Educational Service Agency, being fully accredited by WestEd. Talk about the programming that you offer through that agency.
0: Well, um, it, it's unique and um, it's quite diverse. So we, we really have two components. The, the first component, that we probably focus most of our time on as far as uh, accreditation are our two um, schools. And the first one is the Yavapai Accommodation School District, which has three campuses. And um, they had been advanced accredited. Well, that happened the second year I took classes. And so now they are gaining their accreditation through our education service agency. So is the Avapai County Juvenile Detention School, which we now call the Prescott Parkway School. And the Prescott Lakes Parkway School is the Juvenile Detention Center educational component.
2: Hmm. And
0: they also uh, gained accreditation from advanced ed the second year I came into office. So they're also under that uh, ESA umbrella. Um, We also have a joint program that the Residing judge of the superior court, and I operate. Uh, that's a transition program, and it is also housed in the juvenile detention center, but it is not by insecure care. So once a student gets out of juvenile detention, many of them can't go back to their home school, and in some cases, they probably even aren't appropriate to go to the accommodation district. Mm-hmm. So our accommodation district actually operates a campus in the juvenile detention center in a pod that is not being used to actually detain students. You've got your probation officers right there. You've got law enforcement officers. You've got the presiding judge right there. And uh, it's just working very, very well. Uh, It's a model for the state. And uh, we, we just have great partnerships with the Superior Court and our, and our probation department. And so we're proud of all of that. And that, of course, is a big part of the accrediting piece. The part that was really interesting in working with advanced ed is how do you accredit an education service agency? Well, there are 38 states that have been accrediting their education service agencies or regional service centers or BOCES or whatever you want to call them in different states for decades. And so when we started looking at what they were doing in in Oregon and what they were doing in Ohio and New York and Colorado, wow, it was just awesome. And we thought, why aren't we doing that? I mean, the model, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just have to look at what other states are doing and say which of those things would work best for us. And so we were able to basically create a composite of what other states were doing. And borrow their ideas and streamline them to, to fit Arizona issues and Arizona statute. Uh, and I will tell you, we've had to revise some state statutes. And our county attorney has been very helpful with that. And the state legislature has been very sympathetic to it. I think, they, I think the legislature would love to see uh, our education service agencies just flourish because they realize we're fitting a need that is more cost effective than the private market can can handle. And um, we know the schools and they know us and we're right here. I mean, we're we're right in their backyard. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was really fun. And it was it was a lot of work. Uh, But it was very it was very interesting in learning from what all the other states were doing and borrowing things that we thought would work. And to be quite honest, I've empowered our leadership team. Um, Let's try it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, then we'll just tell everybody, that didn't work. We're going to try something different. <laughs> so it's uh, I look forward to going to work every single day.
1: What other services do you provide through the ESA for your districts?
0: Well, it really kind of depends on what that district needs. And, um, for example, we have several business managers that are out in the districts, and even some outside of Yavapai County. Uh, We do lots of professional development. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know that I can say we do more professional development than any other ESA, but we do a considerable amount. Um, We do a lot of governing board training, probably more than most counties do. Uh, We do a lot of things jointly with the Arizona School Board Association and with ASBO and the Arizona School Administrators. Mm -hmm. Um, one One of the unique things that we do, and this is something that the Arizona Department of Education came to us, and uh, they knew that years ago, I used to teach driver education. And um, they said, you know, we still have uh, about 20 driver education teachers in Arizona. We need more than that. But the problem is there is no program in Arizona that is currently developed to teach driver education that you need based on the state board requirements of three classes. And would you develop that for us? Hmm. So we went to the trust and we went to State Farm and we said, we need a little seed money and we need 90 days and we'll create this. And so the trust gave us a little money and um, State Farm gave us a little money. We identified a longtime driver education teacher who loves to develop curriculum and is very, very good at what he does. And so we partnered with him and we now, have a partnership with two community colleges and we teach, we created the three, the three courses, uh, got it approved by their accrediting agencies. And so we teach all three of those courses. Um, We do the behind the wheel portion and we issue a certificate that the Arizona department of education co-signs with us along with the trust. And we're, we're cranking out driver education teachers uh, every year, uh, just because a need exists. I
2: mm-hmm. mean, we would
0: have never, we would have never thought to do that. So, I mean, we really are in the business of when somebody comes to us and says, "Hey, here's a problem. Can you help us solve it?" Absolutely, let's figure this out. And if we can't do it, we can't do it. But most of the time, we, we, we've got some pretty smart folks. We can usually figure this out.
1: You've already mentioned a lot of the successes that you've had since you've been in office. Are there any others that you'd like to highlight for our listeners?
0: Well, I think we've covered a a pretty, uh, broad, diverse, uh, area. I I think that one of the things that uh, we, we have not, uh, we have not been successful with yet. Um, we gave it a good shot back in, um, from about 2008 to about 2012 is to find a system that would use ITV that would be synchronous and asynchronous Mm -hmm. um, that would provide instruction from point to point using technology. And um, we, we had a system for several years and we had some success. But we always struggle to fund it. But I think there is a system out there now that is uh, being uh, put forward by Glenn Barry, who is the principal up in Miami. And he was able to get a uh, partnership with Arizona State University to use their technology uh, and many of their courses and was also able to develop a great partnership with Helios. And Helios awarded um, them a grant for a pilot project and we're the fiscal agent for it. So that's really our involvement. But this is Glenn's project and he and Arizona Rural Schools Association are actively engaged with it. And it is a pilot this year trying to make sure that, that there isn't a single student in any zip code in Arizona who needs access to an advanced placement class or a foreign language class or whatever it is, is able to access it through, what he's calling the Arizona Student Opportunity Consortium, and so we're, um, we're we're fortunate to be a partner in that. And I think there's still a lot of work to do, but I think that is still a very much an unmet need
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: in Arizona, not just rural Arizona, but certainly rural Arizona would benefit from. it. Absolutely. And so we're we're looking forward to seeing how that goes and. And uh, and we, we want to continue to be a partner in that process.
1: Tim, as you look ahead, either this year or three or five years from now, what do you see happening with education within Yavapai County?
0: Well, I, I think that, that we are going to continue the good work that we're doing. And I think that our school districts and our charters and our libraries want that to happen. And I think that there are other counties uh, around the state that are seeing the benefit of many of the things that, that can be done. And, and part of our job is to try to help them, um, not dictate anything to them, but to assist them any way we can. Um, and they, they can learn from our mistakes along the way. And we can certainly help people um, talk about process and procedures. And, and here are some of the things that you need to think about if you've got a problem and how you solve it. Um, I, I see that continuing and I, I think it's, I think it's that too. Um, I guess I'm more concerned about the great state of Arizona mm. than I am necessarily of a county. We've got to find a sustainable funding source. I will argue with anybody in the state that Arizona is still underfunded and we've made some great progress in the last couple of years, but we've got to find a sustainable funding source and everybody has to recognize that that funding source is critically important and it's got to be sustainable and we're not there yet. Right. And I don't know that I necessarily have a roadmap as to how we're going to get there, but we, we've got to, we've got to solve that as a state. And I think part of it is we have to put some of this partisanship out of the way and we've got to figure out here's the problem and how do we solve the problem? And maybe it's not one solution. Maybe it's a series of solutions. But we can't be. We can't continue on this yo-yo of up and down and up and down. And district administrators and board members not knowing: um, are, are we going to be okay this year? Or are we not going to be okay? Or are we going to have to cut? Or are we going to have to reimburse? Whether it's the solar industry or Transwestern or BNSF or whoever it is, I mean, we just need balance. We we need to get on a level playing field and and hopefully it's sloping up gradually, but we we've gotta find a way to to get to a sustainable funding source. Or in my view, Arizona's in trouble.
2: Yeah.
0: And I, I love this state and we've we've gotta find a way.
1: Tim, is there anything that I haven't touched on that you'd like to share with our listeners?
0: Well, I I would uh, would very much like to take a moment and just uh, let people know uh, how important uh, your role is, and and um, I, I think the Arizona Rural Rural School Association is doing a wonderful job at trying to really be a supportive partner across the board with with. Not just small rural schools, but all schools. And you know, I, I look at the work that uh, that people like Sean are doing, and, and people like Wes, and certainly the work that you're doing with these podcasts. I think that's just wonderful. Um, you know, it's not something that we've done in the past. I, I think it's it's a positive, productive thing. And I just wish that everybody would continue to to do what you're doing, which is kind of let's get out in front of issues and and help where we can and try to move education
1: forward in Arizona. Well, as Wes likes to say, uh, we're stronger when we are together. So that's definitely something that we're trying to do with ARSA.
0: Well, it's obvious and just keep up the good work.
1: Thank you for that. You're welcome. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, Tim, about your county or about your ESA or about the great things that's happening in Yavapai County, how could they get in touch with you?
0: Well, I would suggest they do one of three things. my phone number um, is quite a public record, so I give it to anybody that wants it. Um, my cell number is 928-925-6560. I'll be happy to talk with anybody, and if I'm not the right person, I can typically get them to the right person. My email address is tim.carter at yavapai.us, and we've got, a, uh, I think, a, a very good website at ycesa ycesa.com
1: Tim thank you so much for being a guest on the rural scoop i really enjoyed our conversation and learning more about yavapai county
0: well it's always my pleasure and i appreciate you inviting me to do Proud member of the Podnouga Network.